thank you um, for that, Pastor. Um, I'm so, so encouraged by you and um, all that you continue to do here at Epiphany Gloucester, um, you know, and uh, just your ministry over us and just the ministry that you're doing here. And, um, you know, I just want to extend that Thanksgiving to everyone here. Um, man, um, can I just be honest with y'all? I just want to say how much I love y'all. And I really mean that. Um, when I, whenever, you know, Joe asks, you know, for me to come, come down, man, like, I got no hesitation being here. Um, I, I love this church. Um, I, you know, I know I'm not here often physically, but know that me and, you know, um, you know the staff at my church and the leaders there, man, you, you guys got friends with us, man, because we, and I genuinely mean this in, in, in the hope y'all know that, like, um, I really feel like God's working and moving through this body. Um, and uh, I, I just see it. I, I feel it. Um, and, man, we, we, I'm so excited. I'm so thankful that we're partnering together, friends, growing with one another. So, you know, praise God for y'all. Praise God for y'all ministry. And, uh, man, I'm so excited to see what God's going to do in the next couple of years. I know y'all got that 1125 a.m. time slot. God's going to work through that for sure. Y'all might be a little bit more tired, but uh, God's going to work through it. Um, and I know he will. So I'm so glad. So thank y'all for um, having me here. Um, my name is Brian. If, if, uh, um, you know, I've never met you um, before. Um, you know, uh, I, we, we started a church actually about eight months ago. Uh, we're uh, Metro, yeah. yeah, Metro Church in Cherry Hill. Um, so we're not too far from y'all. So, you know, pray, pray for us as we continue to pray for y'all. Um, and, uh, yeah, so excited to dive into this word right now. So um, at this time, I'm going to be reading from uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 30. Um, we're going to take a break from, um, I believe it's the book of Joshua, right? He, uh, Joe asked me, he was like, you want to preach on the book of Joshua? And I was like, man, I'm going to let you do that word because you you going to do it better than me, bro. <laughs> yeah, I was like, ah, I'm going to let you do the hard work, man. Tough passage, tough book, but it's a good one. So, um, so anyway, I'm going to be reading from Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 30. I'm going to be reading from the NIV for us. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration not by his own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. 
And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And this is God's word. You know, for all of us in this room right now, I, I don't know what brings you um, at this very moment, but if I'm a betting man, I would have to believe that the road for you was not an easy one. And I'm not talking about navigating through the streets during today's parade. I'm talking about a longer and longer road, and that road is marked with suffering. The road marked with suffering filled with fear and anxiety because your spirit is running on empty and there are no beacons of hope of life to find. The road marked with suffering is a road where you've uh, made multiple mistakes because you're just trying to take shortcuts in life by taking the wrong exit and now you're just uh, and feel like you're making up for lost time. The road marked with suffering. A road where maybe there have been some horrific accidents and incidents in your life that you or someone else has caused. And now you're on this road with just a constant nagging reminder of pain and depression. And friends, it's during these times where I want to remind you that on this road marked with suffering, a road that you and I are all on, there is an arriving point to come. For all of us here, there will be a day when we will arrive at the final destination point of a life with Christ the King. And I know some of us may not be tracking with right that right now because that road of suffering that we're on is a little overwhelming and a little overbearing and it's beating you up in a little bit and you're wondering, can I, can I just get off right now? But what our passage reminds us right now is that not only is there a destination point ahead of us in the midst of this road, but on this road of suffering, you and I, we have a present help, and that help will navigate us on this road. So I have two points for us as we navigate this passage. Two points. First, we're going to talk about our present suffering. And secondly, we're going to talk about our promised glory. Let's dive right in. Let's talk about our present suffering. Now, the book of Romans, it was written uh, by the Apostle Paul. And if you want to know anything about the Apostle Paul, he was a missionary, church planter, pastor. And in this passage, in the book of Romans, he's on his third missionary journey, and he's writing to the church in Rome. This church that you need to know about, it consisted of both Jewish and Gentile converts. It was a church of committed but very, very young Christians. 
And what the Apostle Paul does as he's speaking to the Roman church, he's reminding the church, he's reminding these young believers that what they need in this life is not just head knowledge of the gospel, but he needs them to know that the real movement and how you navigate in life is the gospel and the power of it. For the gospel in itself is not something to just be memorized, but the gospel is a power that saves. That truly knowing the gospel is not just based on the pass-fail test on how much knowledge you have, the gospel is not about how necessary, how law-abiding you are or how much you serve on a weekly basis. But the gospel, in essence, is all about knowing and loving Jesus for who he is, what he's done, and how that shapes you in the pressure cookers of life. And I love what the Apostle Paul is doing right here. With the Apostle Paul, he's pastoring his people. He's saying, y'all need to prepare for life, not just with a cookie-cutter gospel, but you need a life-shaping and life-renewing gospel. And you, you need that right now, church. That's what he's saying. So what does the Apostle Paul do? How does he do this? How does he let the church of Rome know that this is important? What does the Apostle Paul do? He does this by acknowledging the reality of the road marked with suffering. Look at verse 18 with me. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be, will be revealed in us. Here what the Apostle Paul is doing, he's telling the people know that everyone will suffer. No one is exempt from suffering. No one is exempt from brokenness. No one is exempt from deep despair and oppression. Not even the Christian. Consider Apostle Paul. He was a beast in ministry. He was planting churches. He was a missionary. He was pastoring folk. But he was a clear proof that present pain is a reality. He's one that has gone through much pain and persecution. He was imprisoned, he was flogged, he was beaten, and he was stoned. He was in danger of risking his life, facing persecution on a daily basis from Jews, Gentiles, and false Christians. And his reality is ours, that in this present life, we are on the road marked with suffering. Oh, friends, you and I, we can try maneuvering on the local roads as long as you want. But at the end of the day, you and I, we have to get on it. The question is why? Why, would, why, why do we have to, need to be on this road? Look at verse 20. In verse 20, he says, For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Now, when we see this word uh, frustration in verse 20, long, long story short, summer reform, whenever you see the word frustration, uh, it's similar to a work, word that we find in the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. And to summarize, it means that you're frustrated because there is something that you thought was going to be more beautiful and it just wasn't it. In other words... Creation is in bondage to decay. That even in creation, there's going to be this level of 
disappointment. There's going to be this level of realization that this thing in life was just not going to be as beautiful or as great as it was meant to be. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that even creation, right, uh, everything in nature, everything uh, in this side of life will wear down. It will die. Reality is, friends, including you and I. Right? That's what happens. Because of Adam's sin in the garden, this cycle of brokenness will continue on this side of life. So the Apostle Paul, he breaks us down in verse 22. Look at what he says. He says this. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Right? So the Apostle Paul, he's being illustrative. He's breaking it down for us. And what is he ultimately saying? That creation is in bondage to decay. There's a continual cycle of death and decomposition from when life is born in childbirth to when life is lost in death, there is pain. You know, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, we started a church um, back in June, June 19th exactly. And I, can I tell you how, you know, thankful we are in light of the ministry, but, man, I, I wish y'all would give me another 45 minutes. I know y'all don't, I know y'all ain't going to give me that. That's too long. But if y'all did give me an extra 45 minutes, I, I wish I could tell you about all the brokenness that I've been experiencing and all the people that are coming in in their suffering. I wish I could tell you about the, the, the many people that are denouncing their faith right now because of past church hurt. I, I wish I could tell you about the multiple people that I know that are going through just a depression and just a mental anguish, and they're just navigating, the, you know, even things like suicide. I wish I could tell you about the so many of the congregants that are uh, that I'm talking to that are navigating through abusive and broken relationships. I wish there was time I could tell you about the brokenness and the realities of even divorce and the list goes on and on and on, and I bet you if I asked you, tell me about your past seven, eight months, you'd be like, Pastor, I could tell you a lot of things, because the reality is, on the road I'm on, it is marked with suffering. And just as creation groans in the pains of childbirth, we too respond in what the Apostle Paul says is groaning. That there is physical agony there, there's mental and emotional anguish. And when we're in it, we just feel like there's no purpose on what we're going through. But look at what the Apostle Paul says again in verse 22. What does he say? He says that it is pain, but it is the pains of childbirth. And the Apostle Paul, he's being very intentional about that. Why? Because he's telling his people that yes, there is pain, but it is the pains of childbirth. And let's not forget that the outcome is childbirth, meaning there is a future glory, a future joy that is ahead. Yes, there is agonizing pain, and we feel like we cannot be delivered from it. But the pains of childbirth, most of the time, will always deliver a joyous outcome. Mothers, y'all already know this. The 30, 36-ish weeks of pregnancy, from what I heard, is just not a really enjoyable one. 
I probably would never want to experience it myself. Praise God for the mothers out here. But the joy of your newborn in your arms. I know the one thing you'll tell me about that is that something you'll always cherish and you will never forget. See, in the same way, although this present life is filled with disappointment, discouragement, and the uh, depression, the Apostle Paul, he's saying that, there, that this life, that this life ahead of us, there is a promise of a future joy. And because of that future joy, the thing that is ahead of us, maybe not what we're presently experiencing, but what is ahead, because of we know what is ahead, we can have hope right now. In the garden, just as God cast Adam and Eve out of it, and they were subjected to frustration, was there not a given hope of eventual reversal? So look at what the Apostle Paul says in verse 23, because he gives us a similar outlook in life. He says, not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly, as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. What the Apostle Paul is saying is this. What can we wait for? He says, the redemption of our bodies. In other words, there's going to be a rescue. That there's going to be a ladder rescue from sin and death. That there is going to be a day when Jesus returns. There will be a day of no pain and suffering. Revelation 21 verse 4 says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. What does that mean for you and I right now? It means this, friends, your pain and your suffering, they are not in vain. There will be a day when we will be fully redeemed. There will be a day when we see a future glory. And because of that future glory, you can be confident on the road marked with suffering. You can experience that glory right now. Because of the future glory that is ahead, we can now live in a present one. And this is what I want to highlight. It's not despite your suffering, but it is through your suffering. Y'all hear me on that? It is through your suffering God is working in you right now. It is through your suffering that God is renewing right now. I'm not denying the pain. I'm feeling you. I know how tough it is. I know how overwhelming it can get. I know how discouraged we can be. I'm just saying what the scripture reminds us is that God is working in it right now. He is working in it right now. That because of a future glory and your present brokenness, you can experience that joy and that hope right now. For it is not in vain. And that leads us to our second point, our promised glory. Look at verse 25 with me. But if we hope for we do not what we, for, excuse me, for we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Now I want to park here just a little bit because uh, when you see this uh, verse here, we find this word patience. And I, I don't want us to lose the significance of this word. Because what Paul He's referring to not just a type of patience when, you know, uh, there's like traffic, 
You know what I'm saying? That's not the patience he's talking about. Paul is not talking about the patience when your food is not coming in the time that you want and the wait is taking a little bit too long. That's, that's the type of patience that the Apostle Paul is not talking about. The, the Apostle Paul, the patience that he's referring to, and we see this used word throughout the scriptures, this word patience and patiently, it suggests the ability to endure the trials that come our way because of hope. If I could break this verse down a little bit more, you know when it says uh, we wait for it patiently? Whenever we see the word wait for, this verse, these, these two words specifically alludes to a person just kind of propping his or neck up to someone that they're waiting for something in the midst of what's going on. In other words, when you and I we have the hope of knowing that whenever we just look ahead because someone's ahead of us, we can endure. Are you tracking with me? You know, someone said, nah, you, with the spirit's going to be upon you too. It's like, nah, I'm playing. <laughs> we can endure. You know, a close friend of mine uh, recently shared the joys of uh, raising a child recently. But one of the difficult things uh, my friend of mine said, it was the, one of the most difficult things was um, taking them to childcare. Um, and there's like this whole like agonizing experience, I guess, when you, you know, drop off the child for the very first time. And uh, they're kind of sharing is as they're dropping their child off, um, you know, in terms of daycare, you know, the child starts wailing because, you know, they're being left alone. They're crying, they're sad, they're scared, and so forth. But what my friend noticed was that as, you know, he had, it was tough for him too, but, you know, he eventually had to go, right? But as he kept on going, right, what did he see? He saw his son just kept on looking up. He kept on looking up. Right? Even though there was a lot of fear, there was a lot of anxiety, just, just child not knowing, any, uh, not knowing anything about the situation or, or the circumstance, what did he do? He kept on looking up. He kept on looking at his father because there, he knew that the father was going to be there. The father was in many ways just a sign to remind this little child in this way that things are going to be okay. It's almost like the child knew the, the father, he'll be back. In the same way, sometimes you and I, in the midst of that road mark of suffering, we just need to have, have the endurance to just look up. We have the endurance to look. And we do have that, right? And what does the Apostle Paul says is that there is someone who gives us the endurance to look when we're too weak. Who is that? Look at verse 26. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. What do we see in verse 26? Is that God, he provides the Holy Spirit. He is the great helper and he is the great counselor. And he will help raise our necks when we just feel like a little too weak. When we want to just bring it back down because circumstances got the best of us and we're just in the midst of our suffering. What the Holy Spirit will do is he will prop your neck up just to look ahead. 
that the Holy Spirit, he points us not to ourselves, but he points us to an ultimate gift giver, the one who promises of an everlasting life, and he was the one that gives us the hope that we need. And church, who is that for us right now? Well, if I can go into the Bible and remind us of this, what does Luke chapter 23 verse 46 says? We find Jesus Christ on the cross. And he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he has said this, he breathed his last. See, on the cross, Jesus Christ, he emptied himself. He committed his spirit so he could promise us of the Holy Spirit that always points us to prop up to Jesus Christ in the midst of our weaknesses. On the cross, we find Jesus Christ, he's experiencing the ultimate form of weakness, ultimate suffering, and ultimate groaning. And in his final groan, what does he cry out? He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Only to be rejected by his father. Why? So you and I we can be accepted into his family as sons and daughters and to receive the first fruits and to have the promise of future glory. Jesus Christ, although he perfectly, perfectly endured on the cross, God the Father still subjected him to an ultimate frustration, separation from his father. Why? So you and I, his children, we don't have to experience this frustration of life without the Father. And when you believe this, Epiphany Gloucester, when you believe that Christ endured and he conquered sin and death, when you believe that the tomb was empty just for him to sit at the right hand of God, to the degree we believe that is the degree we then can endure with hope and joy because we know that he is with us through it and not only is he with us through it we're knowing him more from it what does that mean for us right now it means that your suffering it doesn't disqualify you from god's love i i just need y'all to know that right now it doesn't disqualify you from the love of God. It only affirms it, no matter what. That when suffering makes you silent, God, he hears every note of pain and suffering, and he turns it into a melody of joy and hope. Look at verse 26 with me. The Apostle Paul says this. This is how we know that he's turning your brokenness into a sweet melody. Look at verse 26. He says, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Now, now we could talk about right now how to pray and what to pray for and et cetera, but, you know, I'll let, I'll let Pastor Joe do the hard work. I just want to see what this word says for us. Say, like you can't deny the approachability of God right here. <laughs> Our God is approachable. This verse says that even when you can't articulate your pain, even when you can't articulate your suffering because it's too deep, 
he still knows your heart. And you could just cry to him that even when you ain't got nothing to say, you can just approach him with what verse 26 says, wordless groans. You know, I, uh, I recently got married this past September, and, um, you know, one of the greatest encouragements I've received recently, um, you know, from my wife is actually when I'm most discouraged. And it's, it's weird. It's because, like, what encourages me the most in the midst of discouragement is, like, she kind of knows, right? I didn't know until actually, you know, until I got married. I, I didn't realize I did this. I did this thing, I guess, when I'm, like, really frustrated and I'm just, like, super discouraged and I'm going through my like, spiritual funks and, like, seasons. Um, I do this thing. I didn't know, right? She had to tell me. But she's like, Brian, you, when you're upset and discouraged, you, you do this thing. You don't, you, don't, you don't say nothing, right? What you do is you look down and, 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 and you know, I just, I just kind of, like, love my bald head. And you know what she, she says? I just go, <sighs> she says when she sees that and when she just hears me kind of breathe out, you know, she, that is when she knows uh, I'm kind of going through it. And she just goes and she, she comforts me. Or you, you know what I'm saying? And friends in the same way. You and I, in the midst of our suffering and on the road that we're on, you could just, every once in a while, just kind of pull over to the side and you could just, you don't have a bald head, but y'all tracking with me. Y'all know what I'm saying. You could just, you could just groan. And you can groan in the midst of your suffering. And you may not know what to exactly say, but you can be confident that he hears every single word. That the Holy Spirit, he intercedes. And that sigh of sadness is articulated to an infinite amount of words, to an infinite loving Father. And we can be confident in that. And that is my hope and prayer for all of us right now, y'all. Because I know, you know, that we're all going through it. We're all navigating through something. I wish I would give me another half an hour. And I, I wish I could tell you about all the times when, when, when I've been discouraged, I've been beaten up, and I've gone through my spiritual depressions, and I've been going through my circumstances that just broke me and over and over and over again, and I said, God, no, I'm, I'm ready to just kind of take my detour right now. I kind of want to take this exit right now because I, I really can't hang with this. I'm a little tired. And I wish I could tell you over and over and over again, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So for all of us in this room right now, whatever, whatever you are going through, approach, approach our Father. Be confident that even in your wordless groans, he's hearing you. You can be confident because 
that the person and work of Jesus died for you, and now you have access to him. Would you join me in prayer at this time? Our Father, we, we thank you um, just for this opportunity to come to you and the hearing of your word. Um, Father, we, we come to you just not knowing what to say sometimes. And I'm so thankful that you, through your son, has offered a spirit to help intercede on our behalf. Father, so Lord, we know that every word is being heard for every season of suffering is not in vain. And so Lord, we can approach you as, as your children. So Father, would you um, work in that? Um, would you um, allow us to just come humbly before you? Would you break any pride that we have, thinking we could do it on our own? Would you remind us how foolish that actually is? So, Lord, not only do we see the hope in the latter glory, but how that offers a present joy is ultimately for the glory of your name. So, Father, we thank you.